right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Diversified Gentlemen. And today we have a special guest, Angela. How are you doing? Hey, doing good. So my name is Angela. Did you want me to do that or? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Go ahead and give everybody who you are. Let, <laughs> let them know who you are. Let them know how I don't want to roll over it. <laughs> <laughs> so Angela Thompson, uh, I've been, I retired from the military two years ago after serving 30 years and uh, knew Jason for the last probably five or six years. Yeah. Met him at Scott Air Force Base. And so I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to the diversified gentlemen for inviting whatever I can do to share with you. I'll, I'll share the information, but thank you thank for the you. opportunity. No, thanks for coming on. You want to focus with the guys about that we had to have on I mean, your knowledge beyond the military, you know, just investing and networking and faith and goal driven. So we got to get her on and talk about some things, you know, yeah. especially you being, you know, retired Air Force woman, minority woman, you got too much to share. So I had to get you on here to spread that knowledge. So go ahead and let everybody know everything about you. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, so the first thing we like to ask is, uh, what makes you a diversified gentleman? But since you're the first <laughs> woman we have on, we've ever had on a podcast, we would like to ask you, what makes you a diversified woman? First, before I go into that, I just also wanted to say, um, this forum that you guys have, and this diversified gentleman group that you guys have formed, uh, two thumbs up. I think this is wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate and uh, it. something Thank well, very well needed in the community of uh, black and brown investors. And you guys are just leading the way and knocking knocking things in the head and taking names. So we appreciate that. Thank you. I, I can't tell you how wonderful this is. So um, what makes me a diversified woman? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, according to Jason, I guess it's because I have rental properties and um, have been doing that since about 2012 yeah. and, uh, you know, just have been in investing in the TSP and other things, the USAA stuff. So um, I'm financially stable and financially independent um, at this time in my life. I'm 57 years old. So. I'm in a very good and comfortable place financially. So. You say comfortable, and I say one of the biggest things to probably get into is you work for yourself. But let everybody know right now, yes. you don't have a boss. <laughs> you are your boss. You set your alarm, you set your agenda. That's an important note for everybody to know about. But let's talk about how you got to that point. You know, a little bit about your past and what brings Angie today, 20, 2021, from Angie back when you, back when you were a, a young child. So you want to hear my story? I yeah, guess, tell your story. Real quick. Uh, so I joined the military at the age of 24. I had um, graduated high school with some pretty low grades. So they put me in summer school for college because they didn't think I would make it. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a psych degree. Uh, four years, five years it took me to get a psych degree. And so um, they said, if you really want a job as a psychologist, you're going to have to go get a master's. And I was done. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I joined the military, I joined the Air Force as an enlisted troop aircraft maintenance. Oh, wow. Yeah. So oh, I did man. that for <laughs> first duty station was Altus Air Force Base. That was um, mine too. Yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I was a crew chief on the 141s, which are now retired. And I met a guy there who uh, he said, hey, why don't we both go to school and get our master's degree? 
And I was like, well, I'm not very good at math. He goes, well, I'm not very good at English. So we'll help each other out. So we did that. And we both completed our master's degrees through Webster University in, in management, which propelled me into my next career field uh, in the Air Force, which was Airman Leadership School. Um, so that was great. And then doing very well in that uh, venue, I transferred from that to uh, become an officer. So it all worked out. My career was fantastic. My years in the military were great. Um, so were you an instructor at ALS? I was at um, Hurlburt Field. I became a ALS instructor. Okay. Um, uh, you know, you guys probably remember TQM, Total Quality Management. Of course. I don't know if you guys were around oh, yeah. that. <laughs> Quality Air Force, remember that. <laughs> Quality Air Force. Um, so, you know, I was an instructor for that. And then somebody said, why don't you become an Airman Leadership School instructor? So I did, because so, I knew I wanted to get out of aircraft maintenance. Um, that's bet. working outside, <laughs> it's, you know, grease and grime. Guys are great. The people I worked with were true troopers, but I knew I had to get out of that because it wasn't something I wanted to do for 20 or 30 years. And then uh, in uh, 1999, I got a direct commission um, into the MSC officer career field, mm. the medical career field, who I used to make fun of on the flight line. <laughs> <laughs> all their air conditioning and heat in the winter. All, all those medics, all those wimps, but then I became <laughs> But um, during that time, you guys, so uh, as, a, as an airman and as a, a staff sergeant, I was not financially responsible. I was Honestly, a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Wow. <laughs> Student loans. Okay. Uh, I was about to say how that happened. Yeah, oh, because uh, the other thing is, uh, I started while I was in. I uh, pursued my doctoral degree in adult education and leadership, which accumulated student loans, and because um, I was going to get out. Yeah. But uh, I had a. Um, consumer debt, student loan debt. And uh, I went to an army basic finance class, which taught the army soldiers how to write checks. And I, I remember sitting there as an enlisted person and I was looking at that whole scene, you know, there were a bunch of junior army guys in there. And this lady was up there and she was talking about credit card debt and she was talking, showing, you know, if you had $500 of credit card debt and you only paid the minimum, it would take you 15 years or 20 years to pay it all off and you'd be paying them three or four times as much. And something went off in my head and I was like, oh. So thankfully, you know, um, being a woman of Christ, um, I mean, God has just watched over me through this whole thing. Uh, and he allowed me to become an officer with the awareness of getting out of debt. So I promoted my finances to master sergeant, but the rest of it went to paying off debt. Nice. So I just killed it. Uh, after about four years, I just wiped out my debt. And that means everything went to debt. Yeah. I mean, I barely, mm -hmm. everybody would be like, you want to go out? I was like, nope, <laughs> pay off this debt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So with that, it's just, um, it's basically discipline and consistency. How were you able to maintain that for four years, being so disciplined and consistent to knock out so much? Because, you know, even if even when you commission as a lieutenant, you're not making tons of money. Well, I, 
I wasn't making tons of money as a enlisted person either, but I did give myself a promotion to master sergeant pay. So from staff sergeant to master, that wiggle room, if you will, allowed me to live my life. So I'd go to a movie, uh, you know, on base, buy the little meal deal. Uh, and it's just me. So I didn't, you know, buy a, I, I looked at my food and I'd have clot, you know, a pantry full of food and cabinets full of food. And whenever I PCS, I'd throw it all away. And I was like, I added up one time, it was like $500, $600 wow. worth of food I'd just get rid of due wow. to the PCS. Yeah. So I just started buying what I ate. Mm -hmm. I said, let me just, you know, I started changing my attitude mm -hmm. and, um, you know, edu self-educating myself too on setting goals. The uh, Tony Robbins, um, Awaken the Giant Within, mm -hmm. his uh, CDs, I really sat down and just started going through his CDs and listening to him talk. And he was one of the first motivated speakers that I listened to that helped me project to what do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to be? And so I kind of followed his program kind of blindly, just whatever he said, doing his um, DVDs, mm -hmm. I do it, you know, write your goals down. I wrote them down and I would always write down, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire. How do I do that? And so I kind of, I had to get out of debt to do that. So that was kind of the motivator there. Yeah. And one thing I, I kind of I caught in, in, in the way that you went about getting out of debt it doesn't sound like you became a true minimalist, but it was just practical. Like like you said, you were it was just you, so you don't need to buy you know five hundred dollars worth of food if you're not eating five hundred dollars worth of food. You know, right. buy what you need. You know, probably meal prep a little bit saves you from going out to eat lunch because that does add up, right? I mean, yeah. lunches can be expensive. Dinner can exactly. be expensive. Um, and then like going to the movies on base, like, I, I mean, military wise, you know, this for all our military folks, I think we kind of frown at going to the movies on base, unless you're overseas, because that's the really place you can't go. But um, compared to the pricing off base, that's a hell of a deal. <laughs> you can right. save so much money and still enjoy life. I think yeah. that's one thing that I, I kind of took from what you just said, you still enjoyed your free time. Um, you just had to tailor it a bit. Yeah, exactly. And I used to be the person, hey, I got a group of five people here. Don't worry about it. I got a credit card. I'll pay for it by lunch. <laughs> you yeah. balling. Your money's no good here. I got yeah. it right here. Don't even worry hey. about it. Start <laughs> I'm the sergeant. I'll take care of the troops. Bam. But after that, I was like, nope, you guys, let's go to the town hall. You guys pay $2. Get your lunch. Right. <laughs> so outside of Tony Robbins, you know, his uh, motivational uh, DVDs and his information, what kind of other mentors you have? You had some kind of some somebody in your life that kind of gave you that that spirit or that mindset to be able to want to be a millionaire, want to be to get out of that debt. What what kind of drove you towards that? Well, honestly, when I was about ten years old, so <clears throat> we have a gentleman that's been a part of our family. Um, him and my dad served together, so he'd come over for dinner all the time. And as a child, he was a millionaire already. He was a warrant officer and great investor. And as a child, he, he wrote down, he opened up his checkbook one day he was visiting and he wrote down his checkbook and he had uh, $5,000 in there. And he said, Angela here, and he took a copy of it and he handed it to me and he wrote his name on it. And he said, one day he goes, this is slush money for me. This is, 
just extra money. And he goes, I got so much more. And he goes, one day you're going to be here. And he handed that to me and I kept it for 30 years. Really? Wow. Yes. And uh, he's 88 now. And I shared it with him and I made another copy and I shared when I became debt free and I became a millionaire, I, I wrote it down. I shared it to him. I said, I go, sir, do you remember this from when I was eight years old, eight or nine? He goes, no, he goes, but oh, you kept that. Oh my goodness. And he just made it. Hey, let me keep that. Oh my God. Wow. So that was the first, very first person. And then Tony Robbins, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, mm -hmm. uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the, uh, all those, you know, I read, read those things. <clears throat> and then that guy who I went to school with to get our, my master's degrees, I bought my first car. If you were at Altus, there was a long road. And at the end of that road was a car company, a car. Uh, and they, yeah. they hooked me and they charged me 25% oh. interest <laughs> on a $10,000 car. Wow. And that guy, he was, he was a finance major. And he looked at that. He was mad at me. He said, Angie, don't you ever buy a new car at that percentage rate? He, he said, you take and you call GMC and you refinance tomorrow. And I called and refinanced and that car dealership called me and they're like, what did you do? <laughs> like I refinanced. <laughs> you that interest. They were mad. Yeah. They were hooking my little butt. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they're notorious for taking advantage of basically the, the junior troops that, you know, aren't as uh, financial literate as, yeah. you know, the more senior folks on base and it's I'm, I'm not even sure why it's legal yeah you know both the, the pawn shops the payday loan shops it's this highway robbery yeah this guy he he told me don't ever buy another new car he goes always buy used i just remember that and so you know it's it's a it's not like one primary mentor mm -hmm. it's like a, a person here a person there a yeah. person there and they kind of help guide you and keep you going yeah, we talk about yeah. that too, about having diversified people that you're around or you get different gyms and different people. You know what I mean? You have to, you have one person, you get one frame of mind of thinking, but if you out there expanding your mind, different environments, different social groups, you're gonna meet folks that know a lot about different things and diversifies mm -hmm. your thought process and diversifies your decisions and your thinking and your outcomes. That's important that you have that, you know? Like I have several mentors, like you being one of them, you know, is a, one thing I learned from you is networking. And how to connect with people on a level that's that seems natural. And you, everybody I know, you're one of the ones that I don't know how you do it, but you always get to meet people that have these stories and these backgrounds and these successes that we never meet on a regular day. But you do that, you know. So one thing I yeah. also want to bring up is, do you purposely look for folks to network with, or just it's a natural thing that just happens to you? Uh, well, God, of course, right. pray on it and. Uh... If you ask the right questions, if you ask and you shall receive. Um, so uh, I think if you search for it, it comes to you and you have to be courageous enough to go get it. Um, so when I, and I'll, I've learned over the years to ask the questions and, you know, go get it. Cause my dad used to always, so my dad being a mentor, of course, and my mom, um, but when I was a young kid, my dad would say, well, you kids are African-American and you girls are female. So you're already behind the power curve. 
So you're going to have to get up earlier, work harder, and go to bed later because you're, you're, that's life. So he never really tried to make us victims, mm -hmm. but he did try to say, this is the card you were dealt. You have to play your hand the best you can. And so um, one of the things that he tossed is that generals, uh, senior enlisted presidents, everybody is basically a human being. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you. They have to use the bathroom just like you do. Of course, he'd use it in right. military first sergeant language because <laughs> <laughs> he was a first sergeant in the, in the army. So he would say, everybody is a human being. And, uh, you know, they're people first. So just talk to them like they're people, whether they're black, white, Spanish, handicapped, you know, rich, poor, they're human beings. So go in with that mindset. And so that helped me to be courageous to go in and just talk to somebody, just go in and ask a question. And, and they'll be, and they are really thankful actually. Oh man, people won't talk to me because they think I'm snobbish or whatever, but thanks for coming to talk to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So people are people. So just come at it like that. What do you think it was uh, that was instilled in you to want to be a millionaire? Uh, well, because I, I struggled so hard to get out of that debt. Um, and, you know, the millionaire life looks great. Mm -hmm. And that guy gave me that money, that copy of his check. Um, so it just sounds like the right thing to do, right? To be a millionaire. What, I want to go. You got to set a goal. Why not set a goal to be a millionaire? And uh, through my life, and actually when I got to the military, I've met many senior NCOs who are millionaires that you would never know. <laughs> no, yes, yes. For sure. I was in Panama. I'm sorry, I was in Korea. And we had Army and Air Force there. And we were all kind of hanging out. And I sat at this table with these five senior NCO Army guys. And I was just sitting there because I was friends. My coworker was a senior NCO female. And she was like, come on and eat lunch with us. They were sitting there, they were all African-American and they started talking and I was just like, what? You know, you start hearing them talk about things and investing. And I was like, these guys are, I started leaning mm. in. Like these guys are all doing very well. And five uh, chief, what is the army guys called? The senior NCOs, the command sergeant majors. Sergeant, major. or mm -hmm. sergeant majors, they were all sergeant majors. And they were, they were, they were like you guys, you know, just sitting there talking about being wealthy investments and, and they were joking about, it, you know, how, hey man, yeah, man, I made, you know, X number thousand, yeah, man, my wife, blah, blah, blah. Wow. I'm like, holy crap, these guys are really knocking it in the head, <laughs> which made me feel like I had to do better too, because I wasn't in their class financially, you know, like, oh, these guys are really doing some good things here. It's almost like the uh, matrix. What's it like the red and green? Pill? Red and blue. Red and, red and blue pill. Blue pill it's, or it's, the red pill. When you realize there's first, you got to realize there's a matrix. Then when you take the pill, and you and you're um, now you understand investing. It just it just goes off, and when you're around like my my like minded people, 
it's just yes. funny to talk. It's just like, why isn't everyone doing right. it? And but then you got to put yourself in that position when um. So in our, last week we had a, a retired chief um that we interviewed that hasn't aired yet, but we were talking about when I was uh, a senior airman at Altus. Uh, he was a master sergeant, and it was his promotion party to senior. And he came to me, and he was like, you know, I'm about to buy a duplex in Colleen, Texas. I think you should. And, you know, at the time, I'm 22, 23, looking at him like, why would I do that? That's Why would I spend money on a place I'm not living at, right? And then I, and I just think about just how lucrative. I think he's got it paid off now. Just how lucrative um, an investment like that would have been then. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just... It's just it's almost laughable now, you know, and, and just to, just to clarify for everyone who's all of our uh, listeners that being a millionaire doesn't mean when you log into your account, you have a million dollars, it's assets distributed everywhere. So you may have equity, a uh, hundred thousand dollar equity in this house. You may have 200,000 in stocks. Um, you may have this much in your retirement and so forth. And to be honest, in your accounts, your checking and savings, it's probably where you have the least amount of money because that money's doing nothing for you. Asset rich and cash poor. Mm -hmm. yeah. yes. <laughs> Yo, that's that's the American way. It's funny that you said that, Reese. I had lunch with a few friends yesterday and that was the conversation that we had because they, they wanted to get into investing, you know, building a portfolio. And that was a one of the, the key things that I said was, you know, they were like, well, how much should I have in my savings? I was like, you know, for you, that's something that you have to ask yourself, right? And, and answer yourself. I can't tell you what the magic number is, but I can tell you whatever is in your savings probably isn't making you money. So you know, I, I can't tell you that, you know, you need six months worth. I, I, I can't tell you that. That's up to you to figure out. But that money isn't making you money. That's how I go to bed. How does this dollar make me more money? Um, and it, it's, you, it's, a, it's a switch in the way you think. And like you said, it's like knowing the matrix is there and then going toward, towards it. You know what I mean? I told y'all before, man, when I found out about investing and how to grow your money, I got mad. My first, my initial thought was anger. I didn't know it before. I was like, what? Yeah. I said, I've been alive all these years. I'm just not figuring this out. And now you can't go back. And now you know, you're aware of it. You can't go back. It's like he said, back to the matrix. Once you go into the matrix, knows it knows it's a thing. You can't go back in there. Hey, no, there's no way. There's no way. Because it's not yeah. natural to go back to it. So talks like this, it feels like regular day, you know, to us. Those that are listening, man, it may seem a little different. It may seem a little uh, out of their reach. But once you start having these conversations, it becomes part of who you are, and it's a natural thing. It becomes yeah. very natural. And it's hard to break from that when you're in it and you're just working i gotta get to work nine to five and i gotta put food on the table take care of the kids i gotta get this kid to school and you're it's hard to break out of that and see in the future and to make that plan but once you do oh man it's a whole new world mm -hmm. right yeah, you stop living paycheck to paycheck you start actually setting goals towards the future yeah so the younger you figure that out the better off you're gonna better. be oh, yeah. I honestly didn't figure it out till I was 35. Well, I got rid of the debt, but I didn't invest in stuff until I became an officer. So, um, you know, and then I started waking up to that because I was out of that 
cloth, you know, that debt that was holding me down. And then once I got rid of it, then I was able to see, oh, you can invest for the future. Now I can start working towards goals. Whew, what a relief. That's a good yeah, point you bring, you bring was, up too, because I think that time is a big thing people don't realize. When they say millionaire and they say you have a certain amount of assets, they think overnight. Okay, cool. I want that too. But if I tell somebody, hey, it's going to take you 10 years for you to become a millionaire and have enough assets to call yourself a millionaire, most folks be like, 10 years? That's a long time. But it takes that time. It takes that time to put the money to work, let it grow a little bit, make some mistakes, bounce back, and keep it forward. Um, that's the biggest thing is understanding that it's not an overnight thing. If you go out and research some of the top billionaires, millionaires in the world, a lot of them they hit it that it was in their 40s, 50s. People don't want to hear. Now, there, are the, there are those that you know break out early, but people don't want to hear that the time thing. They want it right now. You know, they see your parents got something or your, your friend has something now. Why can I have that now? They don't see that work beforehand. They don't see that. I call it the Michael Jordan free throws he was shooting after the game was over. Or they see the right. shot. You know, you got to see that work that before that you don't see that. It takes time. Right. Or the failures, all of yeah. the failed businesses. Yes. These yep. businesses had all of the doors when they when they showed up. Uh, you know, people laughing at them for their for their job or undermining their uh, their vision. You know, and sometimes I think it takes. You can call it uh, vision or faith. It takes actually believing in it, like visualizing it, and then pursuing it. Yeah. And you Even know the only one that believes it. Yeah, you know the oxymoron in that is <laughs> when people, when you bring up time, people always feel a certain way with time. Like, man, ten, five years, man, I ain't trying to, you know, plan for five years. Ten years, you crazy. Mm -hmm. And we live in a linear time, right? It's good. Ten years is going to happen. You know, right. I mean, God did something tragic happens. You're going to, you know, ten years is going to happen. You know what I mean? So why not plan today? A lot of people are stuck in that that mindset of, man, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's a hindrance to their growth. Instead of looking, you know, having that forward thought, that forward sight, you're stuck in today, and and it, and it's more of a hindrance than than it is uh, prosperity. Mm -hmm. I had a, a friend from Texas, she had that Southern draw. And I was like, you know, I was thinking about buying a rental property. She goes, well, you can be a 60 year old with a rental property, or you can be a 60 year old without one. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And I was like, that makes, makes so, too so much, much sense. common sense. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just, that's just like the, the, the military. We get, um, I think, those who are us are career airmen or um there's people who just you know they're going to do their 20 and beyond uh you get real set in your ways with basically having your day weeks years career structured um to get to the point that everyone it seems like not everyone realizes that it comes to an end uh, one day you will re be retired and you will or you know separated but you know unless unfortunately you play that ultimate sacrifice, but there will be a time where this ends and it seems like people don't, they, they freak out till they get to that finish line and they mm -hmm. see that huge light glaring at the end of the tunnel, like, what do I do now? And, um, right. you know, I'm at a point where almost everything that I do, I'm setting up for, and I'm three years out, that I'm, I'm setting up for three years out because I don't want to be that person three months out where, you know, because I used to work, and so when I was at Altus, I was a finance troop, and I used to, uh, 
I'll process people, you know, either going to the next base or um, transitioning out of the military. And you can tell some of those Stressing. senior NCOs, senior officers, for whatever reason, they weren't too happy. They were a little nervous. <laughs> and I'm just looking like, wow, for what you make it seem like this is a shock you hit your higher tenure, you know, or they just don't want to face the inevitable that this day was coming. Yeah. Well, that brings up a point when I was a, an airman stationed in Panama, I went to the education office to talk about, you know, becoming an officer. But uh, Panama is hot and humid. And so walking up these stairs to get to the education office, I was sweating myself. I'm standing there talking to the education clerk and through the doors bust in the senior NCO and he's pouring down sweat. And I look and he's like, I just found out I'm higher tenure. I gotta, you know, plan for a, for my exit strategy. I gotta get education, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, you've been in for 20 something years. Yep. And like you, I was thinking, hmm. But so here's here's a, something that I did. So when I was, uh, in, what was happening when I finally bought a property, it was in 2012 and uh, it was kind of coming down off of the 2008 crash. You know, it was starting to come back up 2011, 2012, it was starting to creep back up. And I just found out that these properties were in Las Vegas selling for three and four bedrooms for cheap. But at that time in 2011 and 12, the Air Force was doing the drawdown. They were kicking people out and a couple of guys in my office were getting kicked out, young lieutenants, everything. And I felt like, oh, I'm 20 years plus. I'd be perfect for them to get rid of, Mm -hmm. for, for me to be one of the candidates for them to get rid of me. So I go, oh my God, I panicked. I didn't have a plan. So that's when I started looking at properties. I said, oh, I need to do this. They didn't, uh, they, I bought a property from Las Vegas. And then I, the next year I bought another one. And then I started looking, you know what? I'm coming up on my 30, I'll do 30. But I had a plan. I said, I'm, I know I don't want to retire as a colonel, but let me set up my property so that when I retire, I make enough that I would retire as a colonel. So with the passive income. So I started looking at that as my goal. And so that's how I set it up. You know, I had to do something. You just make a goal. You know, 33% of the people who write down their goals achieve them. So I wrote it down that I would retire with the income of a colonel versus um, when I knew I would hit a lieutenant colonel. So that's how I, I set it up. I'm glad you nice. said that too. It makes a lot of sense too. You know, you're big on real estate and Another way to look at real estate is, okay, how many properties do I need to pay for my lifestyle? Look at it that way. Instead of what kind of job do I need right. next certain amount of money? Look at it, how much property do I need or how much how much asset, you know, income producing assets do I need to sustain my lifestyle? For example, let's say mm-hmm. I want to make $5,000 per month. All right, if I can get five properties that bring in, they'll, you know, debt-free, mortgage-free, a thousand, thousand each, I met my goal. So you look at it that way, then right. you can plan properly. So those that are you know young right now trying to plan forward, think about it that way. I know, uh, what's his name, uh, DJ Envy, he does the same thing where he'll say, uh, I wanna buy this certain type of car, this certain type of thing. All right, I better find an asset to pay for that. And that's how you gotta think about hmm. it. Think about it in assets acquiring to buy what you want rather than chasing another job and chasing more income that way. Right. Creating time for dollars. You've done that very well. You, like, you know, you've got a certain amount of properties that you, focused on having debt, um, 
mortgage free, that sets you free. You know what I mean? But where'd you get that idea for real estate being what you want to do? Well, like I said, they were putting people out of the military and I said, oh my God, I don't even have a house mm. yet. I'd never bought in a home. Um, and so then I bought that property in uh, Vegas, but I got sent to uh, Japan, Kadena, uh, Kadena. And then I was like, okay, I got an income property. And now I just started looking at others. And then that's, that's kind of when the bug, my brother had always been in involved in real estate, but it never really um, came to fruition. So he kind of always talked to me about it. And then I, when I had the opportunity, I started doing it. I started buying, I said, oh, this is pretty good. And I was never awake when he was talking to me, but then when it started happening to me, then I woke up and started buying them. Nice. Well, so, so perks of, of being financially set and basically being a millionaire, what are, what, what are some of the things that, you know, the everyday common folks don't may not know about? <laughs> Say that again, please. What are some of the perks um, of, you know, being financially literate and most importantly, just being, you know, financially set and being a millionaire? Well, uh, I don't feel like I live like a millionaire because a lot of my stuff is tied up in the assets and in, in um, uh, investments that haven't matured yet. So I can't pull the money out like the TSP, I can't pull that out just yet. Even though I'm, I'm sitting around this million dollars, mm -hmm. I don't have access to it. <laughs> so I still live, you know, based on my retirement pay. Um, but I remember you, Jason, you in one of your uh, podcasts or your briefings that you did for us, you said that there was a 70 year old lady who just worked for building her assets and stuff like that. She never enjoyed it. Yep. Um, and that particular podcast made me think, oh my gosh, I need to enjoy this. So um, you guys can't see behind me, but one of the, this is my living room. But about two years ago, right when I retired, I was gonna refurbish my living room. But what I decided to do was pay off all my properties and then start buying myself the nice furniture. So I, I, I did that, but then I bought two more properties. Yeah, I remember that. Like, this? I was like, now I bought some more. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> because man, it was opportunity. Um, but this year, I'm, I've already started buying furniture, so I'm going to go ahead and refurbish and start living. But COVID really helped me uh, because it just let me collect cash, thank, thank God. Um, and one of the things I did while I was in the military is I didn't overextend my debt every house that I bought was under $100,000. And I made sure I said, Okay, if I retire as a major, can I pay the mortgage on this property? Mm. And so I was able to kind of manage it like that and then pay a property off. So one of the things that I did do that you guys might want to think about, I would suggest is deploy your butts off, because all that money is tax free. Mm -hmm. And if you can get missed meals, that really comes up to a lot. I don't know if you guys but pilots and um, people that fly can claim missed meals. And I didn't know about that. And I was in a situation where I had to claim missed meals and I came back, it was almost $10,000. And I put that money towards paying off. <laughs> I didn't even know about that program. These guys were telling me, hey, you just claim these missed meals. And I was like, that's so stupid. 
when I got home, I claimed almost $10,000 in missed meals. And I was like, this is crazy. Send me again. Yeah. But if you can deploy to a you know, relatively safe place, but deploy, deploy, deploy. I had one friend, she was in charge of deployments and she would deploy herself. And for her last two years, she deployed, you know, for six months and she just racked it up, <laughs> paid off everything. And she just went on a, a COVID one year, uh, you know, travel with her boyfriend and they just traveled all over the place. <laughs> so anyways, just, you know, use this government time because this is, you have so much, so many benefits with the military. You have your educational benefits. You have that VA loan. Um, use it as much as you can. When you PCS, get a new property. Refinance, get another one. Refinance, get another one. I mean, use it while you can. So <clears throat> when you retire, but make sure you're not leveraging too much debt because a lot of these uh, landlords got kicked in the mm -hmm. butt when this COVID hit and their tenants couldn't pay. Uh, and then they lost their properties, you know, they're in the process of not being able to pay that debt, but I was able to maintain and pay off all my mortgages because, and I only have two now, but um, I didn't over leverage myself with that debt. So just really kind of look at everything and plan properly with these rental properties. So, so I had a couple um, of questions for you. One, you had already, yes, um, in regards to, you know, accumulating the, the money that you have, how has your life changed? But you kind of answered that already. Um, so my second question is, when you're looking at a property, how do you vet what catches your eye and what you're like, okay, this is, this is a bad investment. So what, what do you look for in real estate uh, properties? So you guys wanted to talk of uh, one of the questions I think was, or we talked about it before was uh, mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <it's> that. <laughs> so this may be an area where I kind of made some mistakes. Got it. Um, when I first started into the business of rental properties, I was just looking at, can I pay the mortgage with my military pay? So, and I, and I looked at it and I said, anything under a hundred thousand dollars I can handle. And my thoughts were, I want a property that is, that I would live in. I don't want to put any, I don't want to be a slumlord. So that were, those were my parameters. Can I pay it? And is it a good property where I wouldn't become a slumlord? <clears throat> but when I talk with Jason, you know, you want to do that 1% or, you know, you want to run some numbers, but I wasn't really paying attention to that. So uh, talk to Jason, he can probably, talk to you more about that, run the numbers to make sure the property is going to be, uh, you know, ask, uh, be generating some income. But I just did it. I do the big renovation. I put a tenant in it. They should be so happy. It's so <laughs> clean and nice. Yeah. But that particular model is probably not the best. Right. <laughs> but that's how I did it. Yeah. I bought the property. I renovated it. I put a tenant in. Yeah. Um, but I had the long-term mindset as well. Nice. Well, when it comes to numbers, Jason's kind of a savant. So I wouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's like Bobby Fisher with chess, man. He's a different breed. <laughs> rain man. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's That's rain man. Yeah, he's a black rain man. Jason don't play when it comes to numbers. <laughs> but you know, in the area that I live, there's some couple, there's a couple, they're just going around buying everything. 
I mean, they are, this guy offered me to uh, buy a, a duplex for 98,000. I didn't have it. Mm -hmm. And then he put it on Zillow for 125 and this couple came by and just Smashed. paid it. Wow. And they've been buying properties all around this place in this uh, close to the Air Force Base. They've just oh. been snapping them up. Mm -hmm. They don't care. You, you want 70. And a lot of these homes around here are 150 and under. Mm -hmm. So this is a good area. It's close to the base. It's safe. Um, quick access access to the highway to get to St. Louis. I mean, this is a, probably an up and coming area and they're just buying them. Boom, boom. And so my problem, my fear, which I need to get over is how do I leverage the assets that I have? You know, people are talking about take the equity out and buy more properties. But in my brain, I don't want to get that much um, debt because I have a lot of equity in my properties and I could probably go and leverage that. But to me, that would be way in that debt. But the people who are courageous and who are in this business don't have a problem mm -hmm. leveraging that debt and I'm or leveraging that um, equity. But I haven't reached that courage to do that just yet. Yeah, this is a problem I have. I'm trying to solve this equation I came up with is what is the enough number? Like, you know, I have enough to sustain what I want to do, where I want to go, how do I stop? Because like you just said, our conversations and what our mindsets tell us is, hey, this money I can put towards here, I can get more, another property, I can get this one and flip this one and keep going. But at what point do we say, you know what? I think I'm, I'm good to go. I haven't figured the number, the number out yet, but I'm, it should be a number where you know, where I have enough uh, um, debt that I'm comfortable with or no debt or property income producing property and I'm good to go. But you just said, well, do I take some of this property here? Do I take some of this equity and then buy more, take on a little more debt? But then you got to think, are you comfortable with that extra debt? And what's the payoff if you take on more debt? Do you feel better about the income you're producing from that asset? Or now's another worry about more debt you got to pay off. You know, it's like a, it's a balancing act. I mean, you got to figure out what's comfortable for you. Well, uh, here's what I'm seeing as I research that with people who are doing it. Um, so with, with you, Jason, I think with me, we're at a certain level that we're comfortable, right? Hey, it's okay to buy a property. I fix it up. I put a tenant in it. We've surpassed that day-to-day -day paycheck where the people are mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. thinking like, I got to go to work nine to five. So we kind of rose a little bit above that in the, in the thinking. The next level is that next level of thinking $10,000, five, yeah, you know, $2.5 million dollars. For those properties I was telling you mm -hmm. about. Um, so those people have uh, broken that barrier of thought and are now in that uh, realm of being able to play the game at the million dollar level. And they're comfortable there, just like I'm comfortable where I'm at with my little properties doing my million dollar thing. Mm -hmm. So that mindset, so that's, I think that's, that's it. If you can break that that mindset and break into that next level, I think we'd be okay, but it's, it's how do you get there, right? How do you break that into that mindset? Because it is, it's just a game, but I haven't gotten comfortable to go to that, to get to the next level, right? right. I got to get to the next level. No, that makes sense. Of that makes the a lot game. of sense. It makes a lot of sense. We, we, yeah. I call when we, back in the day, when you're a thousand heirs, you think differently than millionaires. 
than you do yeah. decimillionaires millionaires and billionaires. It just right. You know what I mean? Well, yes, it's rich. different. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a lady on on YouTube, you guys, called uh, Noel. Noel, I can't think of her last name. A black lady. She said she was poor, um, in the basement of her parents' house, but she had done real estate before, then lost everything, got to a point where she had to move back home to her with her mom, and now she is. Uh, five years later, she pulled herself out of that, and she is doing multi-million dollar deals in Florida. And um, listening to her story, and she's got you know uh, coaching sessions and stuff like that that you can do. But she broke that barrier, and she got into that second, that next level of thinking. And she says it too that it's you know uh, Robert Ishikawa or sorry Kiyosaki, what uh rich dad poor dad and uh if you listen to their verbiage they all say this is a game you just have to learn how to play the game and even she was saying this is just a game you can do anything well Grant, you just have Grant to cardone he's big on that too he's he grant cardone uh-huh. uh, right that's the thing grant cardone yeah i think the i think to get to that level you have to you have to want to be almost a conqueror, basically. Yeah. And and I think it's everything we're saying. I think it's all mindset. It's all it mindset. is. And it's a risk. And you know, everything is a risk. You you going to um. You going to college was a risk. Us raising our hands to enter the military was a risk. Uh, but you know, I think the more risk you take, and the more you're rewarded, the more you understand. Like, wow, that was great. You know, you you submitting for your commissioning package and, and taking that GMAT and GRE, all of those are risks because if you fail that test, what it does to your ego, you're like, I'm, I knew I shouldn't have never taken that. Like, yeah. I'm going, I'm I, I'm supposed to be where I am, just shriveled up, you know what I mean? But when you when you take that risk and it works out, you're like, all right, what's I need another risk. I need another something else to conquer and it gets bigger. And then you get that home. You're like, let me get that building. All right, let me get that complex. Let me get that skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's very. It's a very interesting concept because a lot of people are stuck in that fearful stage, right? Like you said, they're stuck in that siloed, myopic view of, okay, I, I'm just looking at what I can do tomorrow, right? And then, as you said, you break to that next level. And another thing that we haven't really spoken on, but I think speak volumes is it's never too late, mm. right? It's never, too, it's never late too late to break that that cycle, to break to the next level. Um, I think that's something that I hope our viewers are are are, are grasping is it's never too late because I, I get I get that a lot. Well, you know, I'm I'm 35 and I've never invested before. Like, is it is is it too late to to buy stocks? <laughs> It's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late to buy real estate. It's never too late to buy stock. Um, and I, I think that, you know, one day you will just break that that level. Um, and, and, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing where you are five years from now. Like, your story is incredible. Yeah, you have to give yourself permission to do it. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. find the mentor who can kind of help you get there. Mm -hmm. So... I think a big thing is, is a perp, you kind of touched on it is faith, right? It, once you realize like your why and your purpose, 
um, that answers all of the questions of what am I comfortable with, I think, because God, you, you have the money, you have the assets, but what are you going to do with it? What's the purpose? What, what's fueling you behind it? You know, because if it's just, you're just accumulating all of this stuff, is it for the generation behind you? Is it for you to set the example? Is it for you to give back? And I think that's what, um, yeah, that's what drives if it. If is it for you to be the greatest? You know what I mean. Like I, I want to come when I leave this world. I want to be the best investor of all time. That's what's driving me. Yeah. Because sooner or later, it's not going to be about money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And for me, it's just fun right now. Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was a better why, but I do feel like I pay things forward, and if I see people that need help, I. I do my best to help them. Oh, you definitely do. But, uh, oh, yeah. Huh? You that? definitely do. What's one thing you do very well is helping other people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, uh, right now it's fun. I have the energy. Why not? And uh, otherwise, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit and just do nothing. So, and I, I give that a lot of thought, um, Reese. So, you know, I don't have children, so I don't have anybody to, you guys have, you guys may have children, yeah. raise them up. You have somewhere to pass this on to the next generation. Um, you know, I could, I, I've seen some very uh, uh, pro- promising airmen who, you know, hey, and I had a lady leave, leave me some money in her will. And I thought, wow, this was very helpful. So why not do that? She was, a, you know, married, but her husband had passed and she, I'd been her friend as an airman and we kept in touch over the years and she left me uh some money in her will which you don't have to pay taxes on by the way (laughs) (laughs) but i was very thankful i was like dang i wasn't expecting that and then so i was thinking why don't i help some other airmen out who are who have shown some potential not just somebody who's you know who's going to take this ball and run it down the court down the field a little bit better Mm -hmm. so that could be I don't have a big why right now. This is just fun. I'm retired. I, hey. At the time. I mean, that is You guys have kids, raise them up and give it to them. If it's enjoyable, that's, I mean, that's what life is about, right? So for instance, like, so so what you're saying is you're taking risks, you're doing something enjoyable, but majority of the world or definitely the country are going to this nine to five for 40, 50 years, never doing it. And they're miserable, <laughs> but they'll rather do that. And, you know, I mean, so that's your wife. Cause you, cause you want to do it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Cause I want to do it. I like it. It's fun. You know? Yeah. And the military was great. I mean, uh, it was the cat, it's the cash cow. I mean, I love the military. It gave me, it taught me courage. It taught me how to take risk. It taught me how to analyze things. Um, it taught me how to stick with things. It taught me failure, you know? I mean, you guys, all the leadership, followership, all that stuff, teamwork. I mean, all those great things that you get from the military. And now you can just apply it to your own personal business. I mean, Hakeem, you're getting ready to retire. Yeah. Hey, you've got, you've got a lot of great skills. So I knew I didn't want to come back and work uh, for the military or contracting job. I've, I've seen too many guys retire turn right around and come right back in that same job mm-hmm. and i'm looking at a guy who's 67 you know almost 70 years old still churning out the same stuff or i'm like dude what are you doing uh and i 
you know, there's the example to do and there's the example not to do. And I didn't want to come back and sit in the same seat. Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> yeah, some, so, sometimes that's all you need. You may not have that example. You know, some of us get to that point where like, what do I want to do? And then you you work with those people where you're like, I know that's what I don't want to do. <laughs> These guys, they, can't, they come in like two months after retiring. They just got, now they got a polo or shirt and tie they still shaving, they got the high and tight, like you're still yeah. military, yeah. wearing business casual clothes, yeah. working the same hours, stressing in the same meetings. Um, and that's good for them, you know, if that's their call, yeah. that's what they, they want to do and it's enjoyable. But I'm looking at myself like, there's gotta be more out there. There's gotta yeah. be more out there. And that's the question you gotta ask yeah. yourself too, an individual. I, had to, I talked to a guy years ago, a job I, I don't wanna say his name, but I asked him, he did the same thing. He retired and he came back to work that literally that Monday, he Friday on a Friday, back to work on Monday in a suit. Now, so let me ask you a question. If you if money wasn't an object, so you had money wasn't it, would you be doing this? And he said no. And they gave him pause to think, like, well, I'm focused on what you really want to do, not what you have to do. So you prepare yourself by doing what you have to do, be able to do what you want to do later. And that's the biggest key to that. A lot of those guys you're talking about that come in on Monday with the suit and tie on doing the same job, they ain't prepare. So they have to do what they already know because they didn't prepare for something they wanted to do, you know? Yeah. That's back to that and what sucks. Yeah. And what sucks is they're probably making less than they were in the military. Man. <laughs> that, the power. That's what, so that's what sucks. That's what hurts. Like, I don't want to live that life. But generational wealth is a good thing, you know? And so if you guys got the kids, I mean, bring them up and teach them how to take that football and run it on down after you guys hand it off to them. I mean, that's that's wonderful. But uh, otherwise, this year I was supposed to do some traveling. That's how I was able to save up a lot of money mm -hmm. and buy that next property because COVID just kept me locked down. And I was thankful to get that property because it got me up and out of the house to go do stuff because, you know, I, at least I had a mission was to renovate that property. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, I'm almost done with it. I'm going to put a tenant in it. And then uh, I'm using up my my uh, educational the rest of my educational benefits, so I'm just taking a two-year um, associate degree on ho uh, hotel management at the St. Louis Community College, just to you know use up the rest of the little uh, educational benefits. But it gives me something to do, and it's hotel management, so it's almost like running an Airbnb. Yep, and looking at the the um, tourism industry because I'm in it, not, not big time, but I'm mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all fun and uh, been great. All right. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so what we like to do is when we end up um, in a session, we like to go around and basically give people um, something tangible they can use. So what would you tell that, you know, 25, 30, 30 year old, or maybe 18 year old um, airmen that may that is reluctant to invest or may not understand or may be intimidated. Well, if uh, if I could go back and talk to my 24 year old self when I came into the military, the first thing I would say is don't get into a lot of debt. And uh, real estate is the way to go for now that I'm aware of it. But if you can buy a property every year, do it for your 18 or 19, 20 years in buy a property every year below your 
you know, not a $220,000 property, but something manageable. And then by the time you hit your 15, 16 year, start paying all that stuff off. And when you walk out the door, walk out debt free and, um, you know, with all these properties so you can collect your retirement and your um, passive income and educate yourself, educate yourself and surround yourself by those people who are the movers and the shakers who are doing what you want to do. All right. What about you, Hakeem? Take the risk. Um, I think one thing that, that we kind of spoke about a lot today was, you know, those individuals that get stuck in a silo, they have that myopic view, take the risk. Don't be scared to jump out of your comfort zone. Um, like Angela stated, educate yourself. But, you know, once you're educated and you, and you feel like you've got a good group, good mentor or mentors, um, don't be afraid to take the risk, you know, and uh, you'll see the reward. Yep, and I would say uh, find that mentor, find that person that knows more than you or is in a position that's, that you want to be in eventually and talk to them. Or if you keep yourself open and ask questions. Like Angela's an example. You know, she's where you know, I want to be. I'm talking to her. I'm going to ask her questions. Hey, how'd you do this? How'd you say this conversation? How'd you buy this property? Ask those questions because those that are successful want to share their success. They're going to want to teach you what they, what they learned and help you, prevent you from making mistakes they made. So find that mentor, find that person that's where you want to be and start asking questions. And I echo everything everyone's saying. Um, and I'll just add, know your why. Um, just figure out where you are in life and try to uh, gauge where you want to be and figure out what's the gap. And kind of like what you said, Jason, um, what assets would it take to actually get there uh, with minimum working uh, for someone else or working at nine to five? And, and go from there. Oh, all great points. Cool. And thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate having you. That, and well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, yeah. I um, I uh, again, I can't tell you how how pleased I am to see this forum that you guys have. I think this is wonderful, and you guys are really doing some great things. And so, uh, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank awesome. you. We enjoyed you. So, all right, everyone, we'll see you next time. Make sure you hit the like button and subscribe. See you next time. We out. All right. Later.